Hey, what's up? Welcome to Canucks Talk. It's Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd, Thomas Drance here. Drancer, of course. Canucks Insider, also covering the team for the athletic. Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. We are live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? 650 650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. We're here in person, in studio, live on a snow day, uh, unlike some other shows I could mention today, Drance. I will call them out by name. I'm just, look, if you, if you are run down on Twitter, uh, you know, Wednesday, normally crossover day, uh, Donnie and Dolly will not be joining us today. Classic. Well, you know what? They, they've always branded themselves as like the most local show and their inability to handle the snow really confirms that. <laughs> um, the most Vancouver talk show. <laughs> the yeah, it's like today. What's up? Snow clouds, Jamie. Yes. Snow clouds. Yes. Uh, I walked. I walked here. I, I will say, like, as much as we're going to take shots at the at Donnie and Dolly, we're both fortunate enough that we can walk to the studio. Totally. So that makes a big difference. <laughs> now, I went to the, I went to school in the east. I know you did as well. I did. Is there something about walking in the snow that just reminds you of being 21 That's and like feeling terrible in yeah. the morning? Like <laughs> I find that uh, I find that I start listening to like 2005 Throwbacks. through 2007 era alternative I was music say, you and break out Arcade Fire for your 100 percent. Oh, dude, I, I I hit tunnels like four times on my way over here, <laughs> just like remembering all those times I was moody in my early 20s for for no reason, by the way. Yeah. Like that's uh, a good point. A, I, a miserable twenty-minute walk. I'm to start dealing your with day. ennui, and I have to read two novels this week. Like it's, <laughs> it's pathetic, but good music. Yes, good tracks, good snow. Uh huh. Did you not feel this? Do you not have that? Nostalgia? No, I've never thought of it that thought about it that way. But I did feel it not so much with the snow, but last week with the like. I guess you weren't here, but the like bracing cold. Right. Which I think is as cold as I can ever remember it being in yeah, Vancouver. Th- that's the difference between you being in Montreal and me being in Toronto. It wasn't a lot of bracing. Yeah. Cold. No, Montreal, it's like you get yeah, the minus painful. 40 days. Yeah, you're like, Whoa. Totally. And obviously it wasn't that last week, but I hadn't experienced that kind of cold uh, since kind of Montreal. So I, I did get the feels a little bit that way. Um, so no, <laughs> uh, no crossover today. We will do it tomorrow. But we do have Jason Bukla, uh, of course, on at 1 o'clock and our colleague, iMac will join us. Ian McIntyre uh, will join us at 1.30. So still uh, lots of good interviews on the show. Ian McIntyre pitching in or pinch hitting for uh, for Donnie and Dolly. And today. pitching in. And we, and we appreciate that uh, very much. But lots to get into today, even before we get to our guests. So uh, let's kick it off with the whiteboard. All right, now, fellas. Hey, let's focus up, huh? Uh, it is your daily deep dive into what's up with the Canucks for today, January 17th. We'll start with the headlines. And hey, the Canucks back on the ice for practice today. Now, I don't actually know who's there covering this practice because of the snow. I do think iMac is, so we can check in with him uh, about practice a little later. But I believe they were supposed to get going at 11.30. I haven't seen any tweets from Batch or anybody about line combinations or anything like that. Uh, if we do get anything like that, we'll keep you posted. But... This might be a bit of an undercovered Canucks practice today because of the snow situation, Drancer. You know, we'll see. I don't. I, I wouldn't expect significant changes or anything at practice anyway. Why would you change things that much coming out of the uh, the very successful road trip? And as we were saying on I the show yesterday, lost. I mean, I guess they lost in a shootout. In a I'm, shootout, you can't see it if you're listening on the radio. But I'm doing scare yeah. quotes because I don't consider shootout losses to be losses. Although I also want to note. 
I, I don't consider shootout wins to be wins. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just, it was a coin flip. Yeah. It's settled in a coin flip, so who cares? So that would be a pretty thin excuse Matthew, to me to change the lineup. Did you see Matthew Kachuk talking to Sarah Sivian today said that he would get rid of the shootout forever? I did. Another reason to be team Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, good for him. <laughs> Got the commissioner on that. Let's Dead go. On. Matthew Kachuk for commish. Just 2025. Endless, uh, endless three round three hockey. Let's do it. It wouldn't last that long. Well, it would if they play it the way they play it these days. I guess. My goodness. NHL coaches can make three-on-three overtime last 24 hours. I'm pretty confident. Anyway, um, yeah, practice, whatever. There, There's unlikely to be significant changes based on the way this team is rolling, right? I mean, this team went yeah. on the road and, and destroyed all comers in the Eastern Conference, and they've got a nice little favorable schedule, five games ahead of the All-Star break, culminating with, you know, Columbus – next weekend mm-hmm. which will sort of sort of tie it up uh, you, you know though that they'll be up to play especially toronto, toronto. a reeling toronto maple leafs team after blowing another multi-goal lead last night yeah. against edmonton well yeah. oilers were all over them that oilers team's 111 straight oh my god that's pretty wild it's unbelievable yeah normal sometimes there are <laughs> there are practices right where you're like oh i'm really curious to see what the lines look like today at practice because of the result of the last game or some comments by the coach or whatever it is right yeah, there's the kind big of an practices. obvious change looming this is not that this is no. they, they're they're playing really well they've got this comfortable stretch going to the all-star game as we said on the show yesterday right just use this to see what you've got from this new combination and you know maybe that includes some tinkering but i wouldn't necessarily expect that we see it today, but uh, we will keep you posted uh, if there is any updates from the Canucks practice. And uh, Chris Faber is there, so we haven't seen any um, <laughs> Chris Faber. We haven't seen any uh, line tweets or anything, but uh, Faber is there pract- uh, tweeting from the practice. So we'll we'll relay anything from Faber that uh, that he announces. How amazing is it that the Oilers have been this hot and have gained ten, five points yeah, total still in the what, standings. Like thir- 13 points behind the Canucks. With They've won 11 hand. straight. I know. <laughs> won 11 straight. They, now they have a bunch of games in hand, but they, still. They have games in hand, but most importantly, the Oilers and the Canucks have something in common here before the All-Star break. What's that? Cupcake season, baby. Mm. Right? Because the Canucks play a lot of the same opponents. Uh, so they've got the Blue Jackets as well. They've got the Blackhawks, Sons, Bedard as well. Too bad. Bedard, McDavid, that would have been great. Um, they've got a Flames team that you know we don't think a lot of. Well, you might still. I don't know. Are you still holding that stock? Uh, I mean, I'm they're playing, playing a lot better. I'm just being a jerk. They're playing a lot better. And I then, don't think they're like a juggernaut, but they're they're not a pushover like some of the other teams we're talking about. And then they've got the Kraken. Kraken by far the toughest, the stiffest test of that group, right? I mean, no question about it. The Kraken can... The Kraken are legitimately controlling play again, which is which is good, even though this is mostly like their their recent win streak because I think they've got points. They lost last night, right? But they've got points in nine of ten or something. Yeah. Uh, is mostly a PDO mirage, right? It's mostly Joey Decord on fire. Um, so yeah, I mean that that's another team, and then they've got the Preds. Like that's another team they could like they could absolutely get this to fifteen or something outrageous. That would be pretty wild. Pretty wild. And we'll talk a little bit more about the Oilers later uh, in the odds section and the playoff forecast section uh, of the whiteboard. Now, I really feel like the headline around the Canucks right now, and it kind of just folds into the broadsheet, but the headline, the way I would phrase it is, 
Everyone is talking about Elias Pettersson. Everyone is talking about Elias Pettersson. That has dominated the discourse around the Canucks over the last 24 hours or 36 hours or so. Uh, really, I mean, who's generating more wild speculation these days, Drancer? Mary Berg or Elias Pettersson? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you know what? They're the same story in that I can't escape it, and yet I'm learning and nothing. it's completely inexplicable. <laughs> um, yeah, look, uh, the Pettersson... <laughs> I guess it's all stemming from Patrick Alvin talking to Ian McIntyre, sportsnet.ca. You can read the yep. Alvin interview. Um, you know, and, and Alvin expressed optimism, right? Reiterated the, the fact that Pedersen's a UFA, so the team's not going to lose him this summer. Um, you know, I, wants him to be here long term. But, you know, I thought McIntyre was smart to put it to him this way, which was, is it a little odd? Like, mm-hmm. is it a little unusual? I think was McIntyre's word. To, to not have a core player be engaged in negotiations at this stage. And, you know, Alvin just said, yeah, a little bit, a little yeah. bit. So not not like a <clears throat> not like a big, sexy Chiron that we should really focus in on, but, you know, just another sort of dribble in which you can tell that there's, you know, I, I wouldn't use the word like anxiety, but some mounting desire on the Canucks end to wrap this up, well, to get this moving. The way I'm trying to frame this and focus on it is – you know, multiple things can be true here at once. Because I've seen some reactions and pushback to, you know, other shows on our station talking about it, people tweeting about it, like, oh, this is a non-story. Who cares? You know, he's not. He's got plenty of time to sign a contract. And as Patrick Alvin acknowledges, this is a little unusual. That's fair. Like, it's unusual when you're talking about a player of Elias Pettersson's caliber and how well he's producing and has produced in his career, how well he's played for the Canucks. It is inherently a story worth talking about. But it's also not a crisis. You know what I mean? And I think we have the struggle is to kind of find the space between those two ends of the spectrum, right? Where it's an absolute non story not worth talking about. And it's a, you know, five alarm fire that, oh my gosh, is he angling to get out? I don't think either of those things are true. I definitely think it is worth talking about, though, why we're here. But what I keep coming back to is. Whenever we start talking about this situation and where Elias Pettersson stands with the Canucks, it feels like we're trying to solve a math equation without knowing one of the variables, right? And the big variable is, what does Elias Pettersson think? And nobody knows that. Like, let's just be honest here. We don't have that information. And until we have that information, we can make guesses and we can kind of map out the different possibilities and talk about, you know, possible explanations about what's going here, possible destinations uh, for where it could end up. But without actually having some idea or some even, you know, informed speculation about what Elias Pettersson is thinking, it's really, really hard to get the lay of the land and predict with any sort of accuracy where this might be headed. Yeah, it's look, I mean, I've got a column up at The Athletic today, how I learned to stop worrying Mm -hmm. about Elias Pettersson extension rumors. That's really just an attempt to demystify sort of what what comes next, what the next steps are in terms of this situation, but I think you're right to frame it this way, right? That there's, you know, a Sphinx-like super sniper in the middle of this whose personal thoughts on the matter are his business, and he's (laughs) decided to keep it his Truly, like, figuratively and literally is his business. He's declined to share it, and, and, you know, to the extent that it has not become a circus, he's not been asked about it every day. There's zero evidence that it's it's an extension. uh, Or, sorry, that it's a distraction. (laughs) There's zero evidence that it's an extension also. (laughs) And, you know, as he's waited, his leverage is only enhanced. I mean, you can hear it in the tone uh, that Canucks executives use to discuss the matter. You can tell it because this team's now performing exceptionally well, right? If he had any lingering concerns about this team's ability to win, surely he feels a lot more confident 
about the long-term business mm-hmm. market now than he did five months ago? I do. Do you? I sh- yes, <laughs> I think so. I think everyone does. He, he's been I think able- Jim Rutherford and Patrick Elvin do. They than should. They did five months ago. Yeah. He's, uh, he's you know, been able to evaluate a, a new coach and, and on and on. I mean, he's been able to gather intel, and, and as he's done so, he's on pace for another 100-point season, his second in a row. Um you know, his leverage has strengthened and the fundamental sort of business realities governing the league have, have stabilized to the point where, you know, you're pretty confident that the league's going to hit HRR proje- projections over the next two years, which means, yeah, there's there's another offseason to navigate. But if you stick handle it right and we all know this broke into his peaks, right? You, I mean, you could be staring down the barrel of hitting unrestricted free agency at 26 as a maybe three t- three times in a row 100 point player. Um, who plays center, a premium position. I yeah, mean, as the cap is skyrocketing. With a 90-plus million dollar cap. What if Pedersen was the Mozgov we, <laughs> we, we were wondering about all along? No, I, look, when you actually break it down, and this was what I was trying to do with Mike Hall, yeah. when you actually break it down, there are a million possible explanations, and I understand the mystery being everyone's obsession, but we don't know, right? And And when faced with a limited information environment, you can either fill it with speculation or you can look at the other fundamentals, right? You can look at the basic tenets of the situation. And and in a lot of ways, the fundamental dynamics here, I, I think, suggest to us that we shouldn't be too surprised, frankly, right? That, that waiting is well within the bounds of what you'd assume to be rational self-interest on the player's side. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we've seen that play out. Yeah, and from this point on, as we're trying to try to figure out, you know, what to expect here... I don't really see the dynamics changing between now and, you know, the trade deadline, the end of the season. And I know uh, Patterson's representation has left the door open to engaging in contract discussions with the team, having meaningful negotiations between now and the end of the season. But I I don't see what's going to change that's going to bring him to the table when he hasn't been ready. Now, I could be wrong. Hey, who knows? You never know, right? Maybe he just needed to see. Maybe he was that that road trip and playing with the lotto line convinced him. Who knows, right? But I don't really, I wouldn't really expect the dynamic to change between now and the end of the season, which means I think this is going to end up being uh, an off-season discussion. And it's worth focusing a little bit on, like, what it looks like once it gets to the off-season, right? Because I see people texting in about, an offer sheet, concern about an offer sheet. And to me, that's not really a concern. I think once you get to the off season, it's pretty much there's the qualifying offer process, right? And, you know, arbitration and all that. But really what it comes down to that point is either Pedersen wants to sign a multi-year extension. I won't even say long-term, but just a multi-year extension. Or you have to start considering other options at that point. Like to me, offer sheet doesn't feel like a real concern just because it's so rare that we see players change hands like that. I also think it's worth noting, like an offer sheet isn't, a bad outcome, right? Like, no, no, we have certainly our, not a long-term offer sheet. That's an amazing outcome we, for the Canucks. We have in our minds that an offer sheet's bad, right? That like when the Montreal Canadiens offer sheeted <clears throat> Sebastian Ajo, it was a big tough deal for the Carolina Hurricanes. Carolina yeah. Hurricanes, it wasn't. It was great. It was like thanks, <laughs> yeah, thank you, right? Um, you know, it was a little tougher when Philadelphia offer sheeted Shea Weber, right? Because uh, effectively the structure of that deal caused the Predators to have to put up something like 25% of the total valuation of their franchise at the time um, into Shea Weber's pocket over a a 12-month and one-day stretch. So creative, creative stuff Mm -hmm. from the Flyers. But even that, there was no question that it was going to be matched the moment it was tendered. And then, you know, you you sometimes get, like, back in the old days when it was a little more Wild West, right? Uh, Jim Rutherford was involved in this one. When Jim Rutherford 
offer sheeted Sergey Fedorov, right? One of the stipulations was a $12 million bonus for making the um, conference final, which was obviously far more likely to happen to Detroit. <laughs> to Detroit, Detroit. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, no, that's a good one. So, I mean, there's lots of um, – there, put it this way. When you actually go through the steps that would be followed in the event that Pedersen and the Canucks can't come to an agreement prior to the season, right? You know, you, you tender him a qualifying offer. If he accepts it, no problem. Mm-hmm. Right? Great. You have, have him for one more year, and you keep talking, and you keep your flexibility. Um, Although, I mean, I, I wouldn't say no problem. Because to me, going into the season with him one year away, yeah, he's under contract, but one year away from UFA is a really dicey spot to be in. Well, I, I, I with mean, no indication that he's interested in signing well, with no that. indication that he's willing that, to sign. Like, that's, no, that, that's that, tough. That's different, though. That's different, right? That's the that's where that's gut check time where you have to make a really tough decision, yeah. both in the off season and then again in season. Um, yeah, no, I mean, but I'm just saying from a from a protect your interest standpoint, that's not a terrible outcome. It's not a great outcome, mm-hmm. right? The the terrible outcomes are so remote, and when you look through it, the Canucks are protected at almost every step of the way this summer, which is what Alvin's referring to when he says, you know, he's a restricted free agent. We still have some time, and yet. If you get to the stage where you're even considering things like qualifying offers and offer sheet risk, um, and you know, at at that point you're sweating, right? Like, you have five to six months. This isn't like the clock's ticking fast. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not in a panic room here, or a, or a, sorry, a puzzle room, like an escape room. You know, the Canucks aren't like winding down here, uh, running uh, out of time, not trying to solve a riddle with the <laughs> clock ticking, <laughs> trying to figure away. out some glyphs. Yeah, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you've got five to six months, and and I just think when you really examine the shape of it, we don't know, and uncertainty can be uncomfortable, but we we also don't have any reason to really be nervous about no. it. Because again, uh, just a final thought on it, right, is that the facts as we see them, there could be a lot of different explanations for it, right? It could be as simple as, you know, PD really wants to be here, but he just finds it too distracting to think about a contract during the season. Once the season's over, he'll sit down and get a long-term negotiation done, right? That could be... The, that could be it. It could be as simple as he wants to maximize his leverage, and he thinks the longer he waits, uh, the more he does, and the more he'll be able to squeeze out of the right team. About it that. could be that, right? It could it could be something more concerning from a Canucks perspective. But my point is, there's this whole array of possible explanations, all of which fit the facts as they've played out so far. And until we know, until we have any idea about which of these which of those explanations is most likely uh, based on what Elias Pettersson is thinking, we're kind of just guessing here. So there's so many different things that could be the cause here. I agree that it's fascinating, and I understand why people want to talk about it. I'm sure we will keep talking about it, uh, but until we get that crucial piece of information that you know we start to solve that variable or figure out that variable, it is just that. It is just guessing. Or, or we get to gut check time. Or we get to the point where it's really like the 24 yes. ticking clock. Like beep, beep. Well, after the season, it's a whole different thing, right? Because then it's like serious. It's really serious business. I, at I, th- that point. I think once you get into June, I like and and now granted with the way the Canucks are playing, maybe that's the maybe end of that's the season, after the but season. The, but the fact is, is I think you can get into June before it's really worth being like, okay, day to day histrionic updates on this are mm. warranted. Mm-hmm. That that's my view. Uh, so that's the headlines and really the uh, the rumor round of the broadsheet for today on the whiteboard. Obviously, tons of Elias Patterson conversation happening around Vancouver and you know amongst Canucks fans over the last couple of days. I uh, haven't seen any lineup notes from practice, so maybe we'll be able to update that Re- reading between a little the bit lines later of, in the show. Go reading ahead. Reading between, sorry about that. Yeah. No, reading no. between the lines of Chris Faber's uh, 
non-lineup tweet tweets though it does look like the Pedersen line has stayed together no no shocker there and are having some spirited battles with Joshua Bluger Garland line maybe it's a competition for who's the Canucks real first who's line. the first line <laughs> go get it guys it, it's closer Ooh. it's closer than you think <laughs> who wants to skate first in, in, in line rushes <laughs> yeah so there you go. So the third line and the lotto line both together, and that would suggest to me probably the second and the fourth line remain together as well, but uh, we'll see. We'll see if we get some more information on that later on in the show. No big changes really in the playoff forecast. Of course, Canucks still 99% chance to make the playoffs, projected to finish with 109 points, still tied for second in the Western Conference, and uh, sitting tight 55% chance to win the Pacific division. And really what's happening, if you look at the the odds per or the projections per Dom's model, is this is kind of turning into a two-horse race for the Pacific division crown between the Canucks and the Edmonton Oilers. Edmonton, after Just beating the Leafs. Expected. I know, right? Edmonton, after beating the Leafs, uh, 25% chance now to win the division. Pretty big jump there from the Kings at 12%, the Golden Knights at 8%. And, you know, the other key number that I'm really keeping an eye on, Canucks 55% chance to win the division, 26% chance to finish second. So you add that up, that's more than an 80% chance to finish with home ice advantage going into the playoffs. So that's a really, really key number to watch as well for the Canucks down the stretch here. In terms of gambling odds, we do have a few books that have opened on Canucks Coyotes tomorrow. Canucks uh, minus 205 or minus 230 dogs, depending on the book. So that's sort of the that's sort of the span Canucks are there. favorites. Strong favorites. Yeah. Minus, yeah. Minus, sorry, minus 205, minus 230 dogs. Um, so that's a that's a pretty strong home favorite for, for the Canucks. And the over set at 605 with actually more steam on the under. So that's uh that's pretty interesting to me because the Coyotes are a team that can fill the net, although, you know, both Connor Ingram and Thatcher Demko mm-hmm. are playing well. Uh, Canucks actually, I think this is because the Oilers are rising so quickly in terms of the Pacific Division winner odds, matching what you're seeing in Dom's model. Um, Canucks are back to like plus money or minus 110 uh, in some places to win the Pacific, where they were a little bit more heavily favored uh, earlier this week. I don't think that has anything to do with them. I I just think that has to do with the market (laughs) reacting to... The Oilers have won 11 straight, and they look like absolute world beaters right now. And it is pretty remarkable, as as we said earlier, but they're still 13 points back of the Canucks. But I know it was our pal Dimitri who pointed out on Twitter yesterday how quickly they've closed the ground between them and the Kings. Like, it wasn't that long ago that the Oilers had like a 300 points percentage and the Kings were up over 700. Oh, yeah. And now they have a better points percentage than the LA Kings after that win last night. It can happen in a hurry when you're winning 11 straight at a time. And and one last thing. I mean, we're not probably there to the point where this becomes a big national story, but just Pacific Division note that I'm tracking for sure is the Edmonton Oilers now at this point are only six games off the all-time win streak record, Woo! which is a Pittsburgh Penguins record from the early 90s. So, like, the Lemieux, Ron yep. Francis, Yager. And, unfortunately, like, a weird quirk in the schedule, if they get to within a game, they'll have to sit on it for 10 days because of the All-Star break. Oh, wow. And then they play the Golden Knights on the other side. That would be uh, that would be great All-Star break uh, content. They should just play that game during All-Star weekend. <laughs> Make that the All-Star game? Are you kidding for me? For the record? If they get to that point, it should just be like, guys, like, let's forget the all-star break. Let's play that game 
in Toronto ahead of a three-on-three competition. I just imagine trying to sell that to all the players who have their trips to, you know, Mexico and Hawaii booked. It's like, no, 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 sorry, you're going to Toronto yeah. to play this game. But imagine Ugh. but imagine the secondary market in uh <laughs> imagine the broadcast ratings in, be good. in this country. That's wild, man. I, I didn't realize they were getting they were creeping up on the all-time well, record. I mean like I mean still six games, but Yeah, they're they're like two thirds of the way there. Seventeen is uh yeah. is a haul, but you know, interesting. Interesting to uh, interesting, and when I thought about the schedule quirk, I just wanted to bring it up because now February sixth is circled on my looms account. large. Uh, that is the whiteboard for January seventeenth. Uh, we have an open segment coming up next. Jason Bukla and Ian McIntyre will join us on later in the show. So get any questions you have, thoughts about the Canucks, you can text in six fifty six fifty to the Dunbar Lumber text line, and we will dive in in the next segment. Uh, more Canucks talk coming up here on Sportsnet 650.